Amen. Amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Did anybody fast the last four days? <laughs> not, to, not too many fasters. I ate fast is what I did. Um, hey, uh, I want to thank Janelle real quick because I've been trying to figure out a way to make sure that you guys interact well with the message. Um, you know, coming out of Thanksgiving, we've eaten a lot of food. We've had a lot of family over. We've done a lot of things. And so sometimes this weekend can be just kind of hard to get into. And so here's the deal. If I say anything worthy of attention or anything that catches your heart or attention, here's, I just want you to simple yell out, shine on. Shine on. Right? God come in, make me shine more, right? Amen. All right, well, let's ask a few things. I want to do a quick little uh, survey for Thanksgiving. How many of you do not eat turkey? Everybody in this room eats turkey? What'd you have? Nothing? Gabriel? Potato Corn Express uh, experience, all carved up. All right, that's amazing. I got, we, my wife and I had two things. We went up to Estes Park to uh, Kim's folks' house, and we had lasagna. You know, the traditional Thanksgiving lasagna. Um, and then we went down to my family's house um, yesterday and hung out with them in Colorado Springs, and we had the Thanksgiving traditional chili. Um, I am actually shocked that only one other person in this room doesn't eat turkey. I thought it was kind of something that was happening, but everybody's eating turkey still. Oh, no? Okay. Well, now we're getting some people saying no. I don't know. Had tamales, too. I love it. Love it. Well, it's good. Well, I hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving, and we are grateful to have you guys here. Um, we are concluding a series uh, called Beloved, and it's on uh, the book of First John. And it only has five chapters, and we have taken um, one chapter each week, and, and I get the opportunity uh, and the privilege to share with you chapter five. Um, I don't know if everybody's heard, but I want to make sure that we over-communicate this. Um, we have added four other teachers to our teaching team, and they've done just an amazing job in um, helping us sort through and uh, hear the heart of God. Our teaching team meetings on Tuesday, guys, are unbelievably rich. Um, I always leave that hour to hour and a half just so full. It's, it's like a little Bible study with all this wisdom that is just flowing out. And so uh, Mark Marble's on the team. We have Justin and Lauren Stone, Josh Kagan. Um, every one of them has had a chance to share with the exception of Lauren, which you'll get to hear her actually next weekend. Um, but I get to wrap up this series on uh, Beloved in First John. And so just a really quick recap. Uh, Mark Marble actually taught an introduction to this series, and he said why this letter was written. Um, and I love the fact that he brought out that Jesus is not a phantom, okay? That he is a man that walked and talked on this earth, but he is, also has complete deity. And when you swing the pendulum on either side of those things and you don't find that perfect balance, we get off course. Now, I don't have enough time to go into how cool that was and those different things. Uh, so go online and listen and catch up with the series if you haven't been able to. The second week, I kicked off chapter one, with the fact that we have to love God and we have to love others. But in order to love others, who do we have to love? Ourselves. Ourselves. Okay, good. You were listening. Yay, I did good. All right. Um, the, the third week was uh, 
chapter 2, and Justin Stone actually encouraged us to walk the path that John walked, that he was walking, that he was encouraging us to walk, and really, one of the things that he said is that we just need to be filled up with Jesus. I loved that. And then DJ had that circle. Do you guys remember that circle that was up there? And it had, you have to behold God, you know God, you abide in him, and then that love radiates. It not only comes in and fills you up, but then it radiates out into others. And then he also shared uh, just the meaning of sin and not that it's just not only missing the mark but I love the fact that he brought out that sin is actually not lining up with the purpose that God has for us in areas in our life where we just don't line up to what he has purposed and planned for us and he did a great job with that and then Josh uh, last two weeks ago actually um, shared on how to recognize a false prophet and if you didn't listen to that message uh, go online and and hear that that was really 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 good this week like I said uh, I get to do chapter five and so let's pray and we'll jump in Heavenly Father we thank you so much for uh, the fact that we are beloved we are your beloved And I pray that every person in this room would understand how much you care for them, how much you love them, how much you cherish them. God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with the love that you have for us. So many times, John, (laughs) the self-proclaimed one that Jesus loved, so many times he wanted us to understand that we are your beloved. And so, Lord, I pray that love would fill this place today, that you would come in and that you would just overwhelm our thoughts, our hearts, and our understanding with the fact that you love us and you want us to just live from that place. You want us to fill ourselves up with that love. And so do that, Lord. Fill us with love. If you're here tonight and you are just not feeling loved right now, just receive God's love. Hmm. Just hear him say, I love you. Just ask him how much he loves you and listen to the response. I believe he would say that he loves you more than you could ever hope for or imagine. Oh, thank you, Lord. I get a picture that someone in here needs to know that God sings over you. He sings over you. He's so filled with joy about who you are. Hmm. There's somebody in here tonight that has been asking if you're even, if God's even around. He wants me to tell you he's here. This is the answer to that question. God is here. He loves you. He does exist. Hmm. Lord, we give you this service. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would take over. God, help us to remove ourselves from the distractions of um, the Thanksgiving holiday, the the distractions of what's to come this week. And Lord, I pray that these next 45 minutes, God, we would just enter into who you are and what you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase in me and that the words that come out of my mouth would be led by your spirit 
God, may I forget anything that would be of my flesh and be led only by your spirit. And as I speak these words, may those who are listening to me, God, may they receive them. Church, position your heart right now to receive. Ask him to speak something to you that maybe you never knew. God, we pray for a fresh revelation. We ask that you would come into this place in a mighty way. Hmm. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Amen. I think every one of us is, uh, as a teacher in this series has brought up the last verse of this book. And so I'm going to start there. 1 John 5, 21. It says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Little children, so there's that term of endearment again. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Just real quick, um, what does keep yourself mean? Keep yourself from. Guard, what's another word that maybe come to mind? Stay away from, protect. Okay, so he's finishing this entire letter. His last thought that he wanted to leave us with is Guard yourself, protect yourself, keep yourself from. Make sure that you are uh, very aware. And what are we supposed to be very aware of? Idols. Let me try that again. What are we supposed to be very aware of? Shine on. Okay. Every once in a while, I like to do this for my own personal study. And it'll creep into a message from here, here, here and there. Um, I have a damplified version of this verse. And here's my Damplified. And how do I get the Damplified? Well, I go into the Greek and BibleHub.com, and I actually start pulling every word apart and trying to pull everything that it could possibly mean, and then I lay it out into the Damplified version. I, I love this, just side note. My son has started to reach out to me and go, hey, can you give me the Damplified for this verse? And I'm like, sure. And so I'll sit in my hot tub that morning, and I'll write it out and send it to him. It's awesome. So, all right, here's Damplified for 1 John 5.21. Little children... Who are dearly loved, exercise unbroken vigilance as a military guard would. Exercise unbroken vigilance as a military guard would, keeping yourselves away from phantom images. Mark, it actually says phantom there in that word when you look it up. Shine on, all right. Keep yourselves away from phantom images of the mind that are false gods. Keep yourself away from phantom images of the mind that are false gods. All right, so if you're new to Shine Church, uh, we pass the microphone around once in a while. Uh, I have a question for you. I would love to hear your response because if we are supposed to uh, exercise unbroken vigilance as a military guard would, keeping ourselves away from uh, these phantom images, what is an idol? When I say the word idol, what comes to mind? And if you just raise your hand, We'll get the mic over to you. And once again, remember to state your name so everybody knows who you are. But what is an idol? I'm Adam. Um, I think an idol is anything that takes God's place in our lives. Anything that takes place. God's place. Okay. I, give them the mic again real quick. I, do you have, I, I think everybody, does anybody disagree with that definition? 
Okay, so I, I think we all agree with it, but now here's the question. What is a practical example of that? Um, I mean, I think you can make anything an idol, even like your coffee. Like, oh my gosh, this coffee is amazing. Okay, have how many of you have made coffee an idol in your life? <laughs> no, don't raise your hand. Oh, I, hands are going up already. I didn't even mean to have that. All right, we're just going to start going through all the things we can. We're going to pray for, that God would break those things, that we'd be set free. So here, let me rephrase. Anything okay. that takes glory away from God. Oh, yeah. coffee still is, could be one. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, what's practical? What, what, a couple other practical things that maybe come to mind? Yeah, um, like time, giving time away, your phone. Time, okay. You know, taking that time. Time your phone. The Lord. Yeah, I know my wife's staring at me like, huh, TikTok, huh? <laughs> TikTok, no, okay, TikTok. Uh, absolutely. Uh, All right, I, I won't put you on the spot anymore. Uh, I think DJ has somebody online or somebody texting in. Yeah. One came in uh, from a text and it says, an idol is a false master. Ooh, a false master. That, that's really good. Okay. Somebody else. What is an idol? Oh, I was just thinking about... Um, What's your name again? Oh, Jordan. Um, misplaced, um, um, what do you call it? Misplaced faith and admiration in something. Like, you know, worshiping work or even, you know, putting, like, admiring my wife more than God, even though she's really cool, or even my pride or my abilities or uh, anything like that, you know, uh, like that book, uh, Counterfeit Gods, I just got done reading, like it goes into like greed and all kinds of stuff and just how we're dependent creatures, and if we're depending on something other than God, that could be an idol. It's kind of scary. Thanks, Jordan. I would say money and prestige. What's your name? Sorry. Oh, Leslie. Okay. And money and prestige. Money and prestige? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Anybody else? Hi, I'm Debbie. I think, when I think of that, of the devil. We honor God, yet... There are a lot of people that honor the devil, too, and you, through these things that we have, like TV and different things, I, look, that's the way we're honoring him, and ultimately. Okay. And so the thought that comes to my mind when you say honoring the devil is he, as I understand it, is the power kind of over this earth right now. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And so when we kind of succumb ourselves to however the world is, is. is living their lives, mm-hmm. we kind of end up in idolatry, right? Right. Okay. Um, so listen, church, this is tough because I think probably every single one of us in this room has something that we probably give a little more focus to than God. Yes? Um, and so um, I think it's really, really interesting that John finishes this letter by saying, almost imploring, if you look at and break those words apart, almost imploring each one of us, hey, little Little children. Okay, first of all, does that bother anybody in here? <laughs> I mean, I don't like to be called a little child. And yet, you know what? We have to be childlike to enter the kingdom of God. And so John is saying, hey, understand and get yourself in the right place. You are a little kid. And I love you. Like a father would love um, their child, right? And so he's saying, little, little children, do everything you can to stay away from idols. One of the definitions that I found was that idolatry 
is the enlargement of self. The enlargement of self. And so we're going to go into this chapter, and I want you to um, check yourself (laughs) as we read through this. Because um, I have found myself thinking that if idolatry is these things that we have said, and also uh, an enlargement of self, what happens to you when you read this book? What happens when you get into your word and you start to read it and process it for yourself? I would submit this, that if you are letting the spirit lead you, then you are allowing this to come into your life and cut you and divide you and actually show you things that maybe you are off on. But if you're operating in idolatry, you are reading this and many times you use this to justify how you're feeling. And this, my friends, could be a phantom thinking. Uh, Phantom images of the mind. So I want to challenge you from this day forward, I hope you will never forget this, that when you read your God, or (laughs) when you read your word about God, make sure that you don't make yourself God. And that you interpret it the way you want to, but that you actually take the words and you study it out and you get into the Greek. You, you ask somebody that maybe knows a little bit more than you. you. You research it like the Bereans would. They would study it out and make sure that what um, the disciples were teaching was real and right. Now, here's where it gets very interesting for me because my entire job tonight is to stand up in front of you and tell you what I feel like the Lord has spoke to me about this chapter. And so I was just checking myself over and over as I was reading through this because I began to realize, man, how many times do we get up and we use the word to justify our position or place? And the truth is we need to let the word make our position, not us make the word work for us. Yes? Shine on? All right, with that in mind, let's go on. First John 5, 1 through 4. Uh, I'm going to read these four verses, um, and I want you to see, or I want to hear from you what, what stands out, what jumps out as I read through these. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves those born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, because everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. All right, real quick, show of hands. Um, what jumped out to you as I read through those first four, four verses? My name's Jen. I think what stood out uh, for me was everyone born of God and just the inclusivity of what is stated there. Oh man, that's so good. I didn't even study that out, but as you're saying that, I could go. I could go for a minute. Uh, I, you know what? We have been um, we have been described as a very um, narrow-minded group of believers, 
And do you know what? God is very inclusive. He brings everybody in. But the problem is, many of us um, who understand that, we have made our own understanding of what the Word of God says, and we kind of isolate people, yes? So that's, man, that's really good, Jen. Somebody else. What else jumps out in the first four verses? Hi, my name's Arissa, and I liked in verse 3, and it says, and his commandments are not burdensome. They don't weigh us down. They're not, they're not supposed to be heavy for us, right? They're to yeah. give us freedom and life. It's because of his blessing and his love and his protection over us. It actually so lifts the burden from us. That is so good. Okay, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Somebody else. Uh, when it just says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and then uh, and everyone who loves the Father also loves those born of him. So we should all be loving each other. Uh, like it's a command to love each other, even if you don't like each other, I guess. But Dude, I think I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's like a command. Love God, okay, and then yeah. love, love one another. Uh, That's so good. Yeah. All right, a couple things that jumped out to me that I feel like the Lord wanted me to communicate. Um, one is that it says that God's commands are not burdensome. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. you guys will know this scripture. It's very common, very familiar. But it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Ah, man, do we live in a world right now where people are just weary and burdened? I mean, if you, if you think about it, Jesus said, I came to give life and life, life in abundance. And if you take a picture of what that would look like, I think it's, it's, it's this burden that is just so light. If you're living life in fullness and abundance, no matter what the, the circumstances, even in the trials, as James says, consider pure joy in, when you face trials. I think when you are carrying the right yoke on your shoulders, when you are carrying the right burden on your shoulders, in the midst of life, you can still have a, a little hop to your step, Yeah? But many of us, we, we live day to day with this heaviness, and it almost drives us down. If physically, if you could take a picture of it, it would almost make us shorter, yes, one or two inches every week, right? Because it it's, it's heavy. But God didn't come to give us a burden. He came to give us abundant life and his yoke. It goes on, it says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want everybody to read that, starting from the word for my yoke. One, two, three. For my yoke is How you doing? How you doing with that? How are you doing in your life right now? Do you, are you a living example of this? Or are you heavy and weighted down? Mark did a great job in the spring. He taught a little bit about this. He talked about how the yoke is actually custom fit. Now, it comes from uh, the picture of a yoke that's on an oxen. And if you think about it, if they're using oxen to till the land, right, this, the oxen is led and steered by the owner because of the yoke that's on 
him. And as Mark t- shared so eloquently, it's, it's about the fact that this yoke is custom fit to every one of us. We, we get into trouble, and I know I say this all the time, but we get in trouble when we take the yoke that God has placed on us and project it on somebody else. Okay, the yoke is easy. The yoke that God has for you is easy. The yoke that God has given to somebody else may be hard for you. Okay, what are his commandments? To love God and love others. And we have to understand that we're gonna do that, each one of us individually, in a different way. So we gotta take that yoke, and then it says, his burden is light. His burden is light. Picture, the the picture I get for burden is something you're carrying on your shoulders. Um, we, uh, several of us actually helped uh, Marcus and Janelle move a couple weeks ago. Um, his burdens were heavy. <laughs> they were heavy. I, I was so sore the next day. Marcus was double sore because he had moved a bunch of stuff before we even got there. I, we, we know what the heavy burden feels like and looks like. And I would submit to you that what God wants us to understand is that his commands, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commands. I think a lot of people think that that's something really hard to do. That there's this huge list of do's and don'ts that we have to comply to. We, we almost transition mentally back to the Old Testament with the 613 commands and laws that we have to feel, and we feel burdened down by that, Yes? But here's what God wants you to know, and here's the good news of this first section, and that is simply this. God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. His commands, the things that he wants you and I to do with him and for him and through him, uh, all of those things are going to be easy because they're going to be specially fit for you. So here's a litmus test for you. Is there any area of your life where you feel heavy? You know, um, when I do marriage counseling, I use the little light bulbs in our cars, you know, the little indicator. For instance, when the fuel light comes on, what does that mean? Only like three people know. That's why you're walking a lot. (laughs) When the light comes on, the fuel light, what do you got to do? Okay, and if you don't get gas... You're walking. Yeah, you're going to... And how long does it take to get gas? Like one, two, five minutes. If you do it right, you pay attention to that light. I'm submitting to you that this idea of his commands not being a burden, this litmus test, do you feel burden, is a little indicator light. Because if you feel burden, I would submit that something in your life is off. Go to the gas station and fill up. Go to the gas station and fill up. Fill up. Get into this until you get filled back up because then guess what? You won't have that burden anymore. You'll be able to cast that off and go back to the yoke that God made for you. So use this idea that his commandments are not burdensome as a litmus test. All right, the second thing that jumped out in those first four those first four verses was this. And this is the victory, or sorry. Uh, And his commandments are not burdensome because everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. All right. um, 
How do you overcome? I'm going to pass the microphone around again. The word overcome, it means to conquer, to prevail, and to carry off in victory. So it's literally saying, and this is because everyone born of God carries off the victory, prevails, conquers, and carries off the victory from the world. So I thought maybe some of you have a really good habit or a thing that you do that helps you overcome the world. So how do you overcome? Does anybody have any thoughts or any ideas that you would like to share? State your name again. Uh, Gabriel. Um, For me, uh, praying in the Spirit helps. Because sometimes you just don't like have a clue. Just the angst of being a human being mm. is sometimes too That's much. So good. And um, I also try to be completely honest and just be like, "It's like I'm on empty. It's like I need help, God. I can't get through today." That's good. And so. That's very good. Thank you very much for sharing. That's really good. Uh, just real quick, show of hands, how many of you want to overcome this world? Okay, almost everybody in the room. It's amazing. How do we do it? I, <sighs> Go ahead. Hi, I'm Rose. We pray together a lot. And... Okay. It just makes us closer, and it really helps. And I think joining the women's group here, for me, helped me a lot because I got to know a lot of other women and just the support, and we prayed for each other a lot, too. Love it. That's so good. Prayer. One more. Somebody else have a way that they overcome. Right up here. I think even if I'm not feeling it, I start every morning with worship, spontaneous worship of some sort. So even if I'm just listening to it, it puts me in the right frame of mind and then I can start praying in the spirit and, you know, but I'm normally like and drinking coffee at first and I'm like, (laughs) I'm not feeling this, but then by the time I get to... Are we back to the idol thing? (laughs) No. No, Yeah, probably actually. (laughs) I need my coffee Let's not talk about it. Coffee no, and Jesus. Yeah, that, <laughs> Jesus and coffee. Okay. Jesus and coffee, yeah. Uh, with, with some more. All right, so here's what I'm hearing. Worship, uh, praying in the Spirit, being honest, praying together. Um, these are really good things and absolutely uh, very important to and essential to overcoming the world. Uh, church, here's my prayer and my hope is that um, we would have such a, a life in walking with God that we would be overcoming so many times that if I ever asked that question again, every hand would go up. How do you overcome? Let me tell you. Man, this is something that's supposed to be exciting. There's supposed to be an energy and a life in us because if we overcome the world, we want to tell people, yes? If you overcome something, oh my gosh, I learned something about DJ this week. Holy cow. Okay, he was born in Spain, grew up in Spain. He's a big soccer fan. Okay, and so he's watching the game in the office. Spain, Spain's game, right? And Spain is up 
when he gets into the office, they're up three to nothing. Then they score a fourth, and it was like eruption. Woo! Okay? <laughs> then they scored a fifth, and he was even more happy. And he's like, come on, guys, get number six. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, DJ, this is like an NFL team playing a high school team, and you're celebrating this. And sure enough, goal six comes, and he's, he's just as excited, and goal seven comes. And I'm like, I have never seen this from this man. It was actually almost, uh, I mean, I can't imagine. Okay, so we have a good friend, Manny, who actually is a Costa Rica fan. Okay, so. Haven't heard from him since. Heard from him since. <laughs> I'm just glad he wasn't in the room because he would have just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, so what, why do I tell that? Because Spain overcame. I mean, they totally overcame. And DJ was celebrating with every moment. He would, come in here, look at this goal. Oh my gosh, did you see that? And I'm like, DJ, it, they're just kicking a ball into a net. I mean, how hard can it be? Yeah, and then you watch the American-England game and 0-0 zero, zero tie. I... Not a huge soccer fan, as you can tell. But here's what I do know. That when, when something in your life, when, when there's something that you either support and they overcome, or when you overcome, there is something in us that wants to proclaim that, yes? I wonder if we don't know how to overcome. And therefore, because of that, we struggle when I ask the question, how do you overcome? Well, it says it right here, actually. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our faith. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me teach on this, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews defines it. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of the things we don't see. How are you certain of something you don't see? You've heard it from God. So how do you overcome the world? You have to hear from God. And I want to submit to you right now, God wants to speak to each and every one of us. I will continue to say this over and over in probably every other message until I feel like everybody in the church has gotten it. But here's the truth. God speaks to every single one of us. We just got to tune our spiritual antennas into him. Because according to what this is, we won't overcome until we build our faith. And we only build our faith by hearing from God. What are you doing? Are you taking time to hear from God? Are you getting into your word so that you can understand what he's saying? Do you know why our, our, our uh, view of the commandment is, is so heavy? I think it's because we don't understand what God is saying. And so we're making up what we think God would tell us. Church, don't do anything. Let me, let me release you. Don't do anything unless you feel like God told you. Well, Dan, that means I might not leave my living room. Well, you probably need the prayer time. I, do you get it? Man, we have to hear from God because as we hear from God, we will overcome. And it's just absolutely amazing what happens when when God begins to speak. I'm going to brag on my son for a minute. He just came back from Vermont. Um, he lived there six months. Um, he literally walked um, the, the little city, Barrie, Vermont, and one day he felt like the Lord told him, I want you to go to this guy's house. I want you to knock on the door, 
and I want you to invite yourself in for dinner. And he goes, nope. And he went home. <laughs> well, a few weeks later, he gets the prompting again. He's walking by the house, and he gets the prompting again. He's like, okay, God, I, be, I want to do what you tell me to do. And so he goes and knocks on the door. Guy comes out the door, and he says, how you doing? And the guy goes, fine. He goes, have you eaten dinner yet? And he goes, the guy goes, yeah. And he goes, why? And he goes, well, uh, because I'm just a neighbor here, and I wanted to get to know you a little bit, and I was going to invite myself into dinner. And the guy goes, we got some coffee? And she goes, well, I don't want to drink coffee tonight. And the guy goes, well, I got some orange juice. He goes, that's great. So he goes in and has a glass of orange juice with the guy. So I have this real awkward conversation for a minute. And then finally the guy goes, um, I just got to let you know um, that the only reason I'm let, I let you come into my home is because the Holy Spirit told me to. And then she goes, let me tell you a story. <laughs> only reason I knocked on your door is because the Holy Spirit told me to. And they created this friendship and he hung out with him for the last month. I went to church with him. I, just a relationship that was built out of just simply listening to God. It's amazing. I'm so proud of the kid. Will we do this? Man, it's challenging me. So he comes into town. We hop in our car. I had to go get my Jeep serviced out in Elizabeth. I got to know this little, this, this little body shop or mechanic shop. And we go out there, and we're just talking to the guy and, and his son, and they're just telling us about how long they've been in the business. We've been asking questions, that kind of stuff. And the dad goes and tells us that he has stage four cancer. And the first thing I think is, if my son can go into a stranger's house on the prompt of the Holy Spirit, uh, I'm going to pray for this guy <laughs> before he does, because I didn't want my son to get the glory. Because <laughs> I knew that that's where he was going. Hey, are we in relationship with one another where we are challenging each other to the point where I want to respond to God before he does, before she does? And so we got to pray for them, pray for the business, and uh, it was just really kind of a cool interaction. Um, I haven't actually heard how they're doing, but I'm sure he's doing good, and um, they're just amazing what they're doing. But I, let's, let's respond. Let's ask God to speak to us, because when he speaks to us, guess what? The commands are easy. His yoke is easy. The burden is light. All right. Most of my material, those first two points, let's run through the rest of the chapter. First John 5, 5 through 8. Who then overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water alone, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies to this, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. Okay, there's all kinds of different thoughts about this with the water and the blood and the spirit. Obviously, the spirit is the Holy Spirit, but many different thoughts about the water and blood. Some think it's the water and the blood that flowed from Jesus' side, that the spirit, the water, and blood testify to this fact. Others think that the water represents Jesus' birth to Mary and the blood represents that being the birth, the spiritual birth that God would have given him. Um, so there's all kinds of different opinions and thoughts. Here's the main emphasis that I just want to uh, leave you with. And that is, and we've talked about it, there was a teaching at the time, Gnosticism, and, and it, the teaching said that Jesus was so holy that he had nothing to do with the world. 
And clearly in this section, you see that Jesus is the son of God and that he went through the things that he did so that he could relate to us. He was fully man, yet fully God. He was that perfect pendulum swing. He wasn't all God, therefore we can't understand us as man. He wasn't all man, therefore he doesn't have to. He was the perfect balance of all man and all God. And in Hebrews, we're reminded, chapter four, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Now here's what's really cool about this just quick section with the top section. If, if we go to him to overcome the world and we have to hear God, faith comes by the word, no, or the faith comes by hearing the word, the word of God. If that happens, Jesus modeled this. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. So he, he's simply showing us, John, the writer, is showing us, hey, do what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He went to the Father often so that he could overcome the world and so that he would know what to do so he could follow God's commandments. Amen? Okay, goes on. First John 5, 9 through 13. Even if we accept human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony that God has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has this testimony with him. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given about his son. And this is that testimony. God has given us eternal life. Everybody on the count of three, say that. One, two, three. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Church, Let's go back to the idle thing real quick. Dear children, watch yourself from idolatry. Guard yourself. Protect yourself. How do we do it? We go to Jesus. We go to Jesus. Jesus has life. Anything that doesn't have Jesus doesn't have life. And I realize I'm speaking in very black and white terms right now. And I understand that there's a lot of gray in our world and our life that we live in. But would you agree here that if you are being led by Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit guide you, then you have life. If you're not allowing Jesus to lead you and you're not, you don't have life. Yes? And I would submit to you that our lives are filled with moments where it's really life-giving and then 10 minutes later, we can be filled with death. Yes, anybody else? I will admit that for me. I, I, for one minute, I'll be praying for a mechanic. The next time, I'll be yelling at somebody who cut me off. Yes? Not saying that happened. Just could. The teaching team, we were discussing this, and um, I, one of the thoughts that came out was this. We've been given a deposit to confirm our eternal life. The payment that Jesus paid, the payment, was so that we could have eternal life, and it starts now. In that first chapter, we talked about the fact that, um, uh, you know, Jesus said that this is eternal life, 
I remember referred back to him in the Gospels where he says, this is eternal life, that you would know God and the Son that came down, or the Son and the God that brought him here. I'm slaughtering that verse. But this is eternal life, that we would know God and his Son. That's it. Okay. Stop striving to win an argument. Let's start to apply this into our lives, church. I think this is what John is trying to tell us. Hey, don't get caught up in all of the conspiracies and all the different things. Hey, get caught up in Jesus Christ because that's where life is. Don't get caught up in all the other junk. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or pass the mic right now, but how did Thanksgiving go? Hopefully for some of you, it was wonderful and family was amazing, but for a lot of people, family dynamics are bad. And we need to know that Jesus wants to give us life in the midst of even those circumstances. How? By keeping our eyes on the Lord. And understanding that when we do that, we're actually inviting a peace of eternal life into our hearts and into our lives. Amen? All right. 1 John 5, 14, 15. And this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. All right, 1 John 5, 16 and 17. Just kidding. <laughs> this is an incredibly hard and difficult section of scripture just to talk to. Um, the struggle with these two verses is very real. Because you can be pursuing God with all of your heart and go to him and think you're asking exactly what he tells you to do and then still not have your prayers answered. And that, that, is, that is the reality. If somebody could come up with why and how that happens and, and lay it out in a nice formula for everybody to understand, I think we would all be grateful. But the truth is, many of us, and I know there's people in this church that feel like they've heard from God to pray for a certain thing, and they prayed diligently, and they prayed with all of their heart, and it didn't come to pass, which seems to go completely contrary to this section of Scripture. And I'm just going to open and be real and be honest to you. I, I don't know why. I don't know how. I do know that we're going to stand before the Lord and it'll all make sense. Be like, oh, okay, I get it. But here's a few things that I did feel like I was supposed to bring to your attention. First off, um, sometimes we don't get, or sometimes we don't receive because we just don't ask. Um, James uh, chapter four actually says, you do not receive because you haven't asked. You know, I think sometimes people get so discouraged and they've been disappointed by answers, lack of answers to prayer that they just stop asking. And church, I would submit to you, keep asking. Keep asking the Lord for these things that you're praying for, the, the supplications. Go after the Lord. Ask him if, what you should be praying. Ask him how you should be praying about it. Don't just assume that you're praying the right thing. But ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you in those prayers. The Word of God says that sometimes He'll lead you just simply in groans. And I know that might be weird, but if the Holy Spirit just tells you, yeah, just cry out, just groan. Man, just do it. Get in the closet all by yourself so nobody else hears you and then just go, ah! And you might actually get more answers to that than your very word-filled prayers. 
Then it says in James that you don't receive. You ask, but you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. And I think many times we pray with a wrong motive. Even for healthy things, even things for sick people to be healed. I sometimes wonder if we pray with the wrong motive and therefore the Holy Spirit doesn't answer those prayers. God doesn't answer those prayers because our motive is wrong. So check your motive. Um, I, I did come across this as I was studying. Maybe ask yourself this. What possible reason do I have to think that God will answer this prayer? What possible reason do I have to think that God will answer this prayer? If you can't an answer that question, then don't pray yet and go figure out why you're praying what you're going to pray. Does that make sense? For why do you think that God would answer this prayer? It, it puts you in a position where you line up yourself to, to God. You, you read this again from his perspective, not you manipulating what you want it to say. And asking that question, I'll read it one more time. What possible reason do I have to think that God will answer this prayer? That'll check your motive. That'll check many different boxes to line yourself up because according to 16 and 17, or sorry, uh, 14 and 15, when we pray, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, it says that we, uh, whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we've asked of him. So, I just submit this last thought on this. Um, ask yourself, why? What's my motivation? Why do I think God would even answer this prayer? And then when you feel like you've done and lined yourself up with what God has, then pray it with confidence and boldness to know that he heard you. Okay? And so then, if it doesn't get answered, you at least know that he heard you and you did everything you could to line up with how you ever, And then you could just put it on the shelf and say, when I am with the Lord, I'm going to ask him about that one. Because I felt like I was lined up and ready, had the right motive, and still didn't happen. And yet, maybe you'll find places where when you do that, all of a sudden God answers. The power of God. I, I said this probably a couple months ago, but I wonder if God has turned the power switch off on us because we have mixed the holiness of what our lives are supposed to be with the common of this world. And God is like, if I turn the power on, Everybody will die. <laughs> and so we, we got to line ourselves up with the Lord first. Then maybe he turns the power on. God, I want the power. I, a couple of weeks ago, we were praying in prayer. And I was just like, God, come on. We've been praying for these incredible things, these powerful things to take place. We want, I, do you want that? Is there something in you that's like, God, come on, move in powerful ways that scares me to death? Where's the amen there? I've said it, I said it many times. Uh, I want you to come to church and be a little bit nervous because of what God might do. Man, because of the power. Man, when he moves, it's gonna be powerful. It's gonna be amazing. First John 5, 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he should ask God who will give life to those who commit this kind of sin. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying he should ask regarding that sin. All unrighteousness is sin, yet there is sin that does not lead to death. Um, okay, I've read a couple different things about that. Some say that he is actually speaking to death as in physical death. 
Like there is a sin that doesn't lead to death. Like there are things that you can do that don't line yourself up that you don't die, physically die. Um, other, other thoughts on this is that that is a spiritual death, that if you do things um, that, that there's a sin that actually leads to a, a spiritual death, the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, and if you do that, that's the sin that leads to death, then there are sins that don't lead to death. And it, you can do some research, study it out on your own, but here's what I would submit to you. The question, and it frames itself, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, okay, if you see somebody sin, how do you deal with it? Because what John has taught us in all the chapters, these five chapters, is that we're to love them. We're to come alongside of them. We're to come and join them in life. We're supposed to interact with them. We are not to throw the Bible at them. We are not to tell them how wrong they are. We are actually to gently come alongside one another and help each other realize those areas uh, and I put it in my notes, those areas where we're not having a share in what God has for us. As DJ taught, sin being not having a share in what God has purposed and planned. When you see somebody walking in a way where they're not enjoying the benefits of the kingdom of God, say something. Gently. Nicely. Without beating them up. Amen? And then the last section here. 1 John 5, 18 through 21. We know that anyone born of God does not keep on sinning. The one who was born of God protects him, and the evil one cannot touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world is under the power of the evil one. There's that. We talked about that earlier. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Remember that word, Understanding. We know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. We were talking about this in the teaching team, um, and I think it was Lauren, but I, she said this. You know what? The main point of this whole letter chapters one through five, this whole letter that John wrote is this, be who you are. Be who you are. Understand that God created you with a purpose and a plan and be that, be that person. Ask God how he sees you and live from there. Love yourself so you can love others. Tap into God, rebuild and restore your faith. Hear from him, be who you are. Don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to be anybody else, but be who God created you to be. We have so many people in Christian churches trying to be like somebody else. We even then take the convictions that God has placed on us and we tell other people to be like us. Man, it just, it just it creates a burden that's not from God. This whole book is John saying, you are loved, God loves you, love him, Understand that you are beautiful in his eyes and then love other people from that place. Fill yourself up. Stay away from false teachings that would tell you anything else that's not like that. But tap yourself into Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit give you understanding. Okay, let me finish with this. That word understanding blew me away. 
It is the same word as mind in the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What does that word mean in the Greek? It's not the same as Romans 12, where it says renew your, or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, that word mind there is fill yourself with God thoughts. Okay? Renew yourself with God thoughts. Take your mind, put it in the word, just let God fill you, fill you, fill you. That is not what this word means. This Greek word means this. It comes from dia, or thoroughly from side to side, and from noia, which is to use the mind. Properly, movement from one side of an issue to the other to reach balanced conclusions. Fully orbed reasoning. An example, dialectical thinking that literally reaches across to the other side of a matter. Literally through reasoning. Incorporates both sides of a matter to reach a meaningful conclusion. Such full breath reasoning is essential to loving the Lord and our neighbor. It is also the instrument of self-destruction when exercised without God's light and power. And in your notes, if you want to go to the version, it gives you several verses where it's used for the self-destruction. That word understanding, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. That word could be read this way. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us the ability to listen to somebody else come to their side and hear them and understand them and come and reach a balanced conclusion. We're not doing this well, church. Our world is not doing this at all. Our world takes whatever they think and they just drive it in. They get into their echo chamber and they get with all the people that have the same thoughts and they just build on it and build on it and build on it and it swings the pendulum farther and farther and farther away from God. And in order to do this and know that we have the Lord in us, we have to use our full intellect to come alongside one another and understand where people are coming from. I'm just reading the definition. Come together, movement from one side of an issue to the other to reach to balanced conclusions. Same word that's used for love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Could it be that we're missing an element of one of the commandments that God has given to us? You know, Jesus said both, all the laws are fulfilled in these two. Love God, love others. Could we be missing out on a piece because we're not practicing understanding? That we're not practicing coming alongside other people and hearing where they're coming from. And the whole hope is that we would then take this word and not manipulate it and make um, ourselves more special in it, but that we would take this and actually humbly come together with somebody and go, hey, let you and I figure out what this says about this. And let's come to a balanced conclusion based on what this says, rather than what I think or what you think. Let's put our two polar opinions together to this and apply that and see if we can't find something where Jesus is. It's tough. It's tough.
But I would submit that um, this is what God is asking. He's, he wants to give us that understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. So be who you are. And if you see someone not being who they are, encourage them back to who they are in Christ. We have an enemy that wants to tear us down and wants to pull that away. Hey, let's support one another and actually encouraging each other in these things. Amen? And so I love the heart of John because he just wanted to communicate to you and I that you are loved and that I've given you the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you through this crazy world that we live in so that you can overcome it and so that you can return that love to the Father and give it out to other people. And remember who this comes from. It comes from the one that self-proclaimed, I'm the one Jesus loved. I'm the one Jesus loved. So let's receive it. I mean, this is one of the three closest disciples around Jesus. Let's take what he wrote and let's take it in and bring it into our heart and mind. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your life that comes from, from it. And God, I pray that you would help us to see any issue in our life where we um, have slipped into idolatry, where we have um, put something in front of us that um, is greater than you. And God, I pray that you would reveal those things to us and that, um, God, that you would give us the boldness and the courage to step away from those things so that we can step into what you have for us. God, I pray that you would help us to stop enlarging ourselves over you. But God, help us to magnify you over ourselves. And then, Lord, I pray that as, as we do that, I pray that you would begin to speak to us. I'm reminded of the scripture that says we are saved by grace and grace alone and not by works so that no man could boast. And the very next verse says, in order to do the works God prepared for us. There are things that you want us to do, God, but they're gonna be easy and the burden is gonna be light. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to every person listening to me and that you would give them direction, that you would give them directive into what their purpose and plan is. God, help us to take our eyes off of what other people are doing and just figure out what you want us to do individually. God, may we get really good at hearing what you have for just ourselves. And then pray for other people that they would get the same thing, that they would hear from you what you have purposed and planned for them to do. Lord, we thank you for this life-giving message. We thank you for the fact that Jesus came so that we could understand these things and that we could have them written on our hearts and on our mind. And so, Lord, I pray that you would confirm anything that was led by your spirit, anything that was of the flesh. Lord, may we forget before we step out of this building. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said, amen.